0: John chapter number 8, when you find your place and your copy of the Word of God, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And we'll read a few verses out of John chapter number 8. We'll pray, and uh, then you'll be, you can be seated, and we will bring the message God has brought to us out of the Word of God this morning. John chapter number 8, verse number 19. John chapter 8, verse number 19. The Bible says, Then said they unto him, this is the Pharisees talking to Jesus, Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he had said, Whether I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for giving us this day to come and to corporately worship you, to sing songs unto you, sing songs about you, to pray together, uh, to hear of the goodness of God. Thank you for the Sunday school hour, those that have studied their Bible and taught the classes this morning. Thank you for uh, the good songs that we've heard sung already here in this service. And then now, we thank you for a Bible. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for letting us read it in public this morning. Thank you for the privilege of being able to do that without fear of uh, uh, soldiers walking in and arresting us or even uh, killing us for having a Bible and reading it out loud. Thank you for the freedom we have in this country, but most of all, thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Father, I pray this morning you'd help me preach in the power and unction of the Holy Spirit of God. Help me say everything that I need to say, but please guard me from saying anything I don't need to say. Help me preach the word of God for what it says. I pray, God, you'd speak to hearts. There may be one under the sound of our voice, maybe more than one, that is not saved. They do not know you in the free pardon of sin. They do not know you as their personal Savior. I pray today that they would be born again. Then there are some maybe that just need to uh, sell out to you a little bit more. Or then there's some that are maybe discouraged that need to be encouraged in the Lord. You know the need of every heart in this room. I pray, God, you'd meet it in such a way that you get glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God this morning. Jesus has been publicly teaching in the temple. We've we've been in these verses. We've been in this chapter for several weeks now. As we have watched, as Jesus is in the temple, he is in the, uh, specifically verse 20 tells us he's in the treasury he's in the room where even the women can come and, and, and that says a lot about where he's at he's not trying to hide his message he's not trying to, to say these things in a dark corner somewhere or in a, in a room for just the elite had he been in the holy of holies teaching this only the high priest would be able to hear it or if he had just been in that room with the altars only the priest would be able to hear it but no he comes out uh, to the place where it comes common folk can come to where everybody can come and hear the message that he has given out in the temple here in chapter number 8 he was interrupted already at the very beginning of the chapter when those pharisees those religious Jews brought that woman caught in adultery to interrupt him and of course they were not worried about her they were not worried about her sin and they were not worried about her restoration they were just trying to catch Jesus in a uh, in a in a, a catch 22 they were trying to pit him uh, between the the law of Moses and the law of Rome and we we know how that worked out if you don't read the chapter there earlier on and you find out that he does rebuke the adultery he does call it sin uh, but he does also rebuke the hypocrisy of those religious Jews he rebukes them and uh, he uh, goes on to teach he handles that situation and he continues to teach and in verse number 12 he makes a great claim and that claim uh, is the spark of the conversation we read this morning but so look at the claim there in verse number 12 then spake jesus again to them saying i am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life he says this i am the light i am the light notice in our reading this morning we we finished reading in verse number 25 in verse 25 the jews asked the question who art Thou and Jesus said to them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. He said, This is exactly what I've been trying to tell you. I am the light of the world. These Jews knew exactly what he meant when he said, I am the light of the world. See they knew uh, that God had revealed himself as light. They knew that throughout the Old Testament the picture of light was a picture of God himself. Uh, When when that pillar of fire led the children of Israel through the wilderness in Exodus in the book of Exodus, uh, that pillar of fire, that light that shined to to guide the children of Israel through that wilderness wanderings, uh, they knew that was God, the presence of God. Those Jews knew that in Exodus chapter number Number three when that bur- that bush was on fire but yet not consumed they knew that light was God it was the very presence of God uh, they knew uh, that the glory of God that rested in the temple during those days of Old Testament sacrifices and, and when the priest went into the holies and the pre- the high priest went the holy of holies and the glory of God came down on that altar they knew that the light was the presence of God they knew what he was referring to when he said I am the light of the world they knew he was referring to being God but then they also knew that he was referring to being the Messiah They knew that the prophet said that when the Messiah would come, that he would bring light to a dark world. Uh, He would bring sight to the blind and light to darkness. And they knew who he was referring to. And so what do they do? They immediately begin to reject uh, what Jesus has said about being the light. And verse number 13, they accuse him of lying. They said, you... You, thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. You are lying. You are not God and you are not the Messiah. Now, here, these men had seen all the evidence they needed to see. I said it last Sunday for those that were here. You know how light proves itself? It just shines. The evidence that there is light is that there is light. There's There's a shining. The light just proves itself by being light and shining. And Christ, his character, had shown forth that he was God and he was the Messiah. His conduct showed forth that he was God and that he was the Messiah. His conversation shone as a light against the darkness of this world. They even said he speaks like no other man speaks. He says stuff nobody else could say. He speaks with authority. Who can forgive sin other than God? They saw his conduct and his conversation and his character all lined up with him being the Messiah and being uh, being God. They recognized who he was, but they rejected who he was. They willfully rejected him. They They were staring at the light, yet they couldn't see. One, man, one person said this. I don't know who gets credit for this. I've heard it my whole life. I think there are none so blind as those who will not see. There are none so blind as those who will not see. These men were willingly, resolvedly ignorant. They didn't know because they didn't want to know. And they were in the dark. But listen, they loved darkness right? Here's the condemnation that, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. And they loved darkness so they didn't appreciate the sunshine. See Jesus states and then so, so here's, here's what happens. Jesus goes on and states and says hey according to the law the testimony of two men is true. And he says this I'm not alone in my witness. I witness of myself, but the Father which sent me, he also witnesses of me. Now if the testimony of two men established a fair witness, then the testimony of God the Father and God the Son would establish a testimony beyond question, wouldn't you think? And they knew who he was, and they knew who his father was. And here we pick up. Their response is where we pick up our reading this morning in verse number 19. This is their response. He says, the Father that sent me, verse number uh, number, uh, uh, 14. Jesus answered and said unto them, though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. Here it is, but I am the Father that sent me. He said, that He's witnessing of me. And their response in verse 19 is, Where is thy Father? Where is he at? Where is your Father? See, and here's what, it, and I don't want to dig here too long because I want to stay here too long, but Jesus. Answers them immediately. Watch what he says. Ye neither know me nor my Father. If ye had known me, You should have known my Father also. See, they didn't know God the Father. Here's why because they willfully rejected knowing God the Son. I got to tell you, let me, can I teach you something just real quick? Teach you something. The doctrine of God, we call it theology. God has revealed himself in two distinct ways. There is the general revelation of God. The general revelation of God is through nature. You look at creation and say, oh, there's got to be a creator. There is the general revelation of God through history. And we watch throughout history and God has been moving and God has been working through history and say, oh, there has to be a God. And then there is the general revelation of conscience. God has hardwired every one of us, every creature. John chapter 1 said he lighteth every man. He has hardwired every person to seek after God. Now, all of them don't find the true and living God, but, but every man is hardwired to know there is a God. Nobody is born an atheist. All right? That's the general revelation of God. But the second way that God does does reveal himself is called special revelation of God. And he does that in two different ways. He does that through the scriptures and through his son. You want to know God, you've got to read the Bible to know who he is. You want to know God, I mean you want to know God personally, you've got to get in the word of God and find out about his character, about how he interacts with mankind. But then if you really want to know God, you got to get to know his son. That is the special revelation of God. As we live to the general revelation, as we live to the general revelation of nature and history and conscience, as we see what he says in the scripture, we find out that we must now go beyond scri- go not beyond scripture, go, but go further, a little further. I, I don't know how to say that, right? But as we look into scripture, the scripture teaches us that now we've got to see God in his son. Listen, he's talking to religious Jews. They knew God in nature. They knew God in history. They knew God in their conscience. And watch this. They knew God in the scriptures. But they were rejecting his son. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. You don't know God. You don't know the Father because you don't know me. Can I just say something by way of introduction that we live in a world that does not know God. They claim a God. But they don't know the God of the Bible. See, their God will sit on a bar stool and have a beer with them. Their their God will sit on the beach and drink a wine cooler with them as long as it makes you feel at peace. Their God is okay rolling a joint, popping a pill, snorting a line, or shooting up as long as it makes you feel good. See, their God is okay with killing babies in the womb or grandmas in the nursing home as long as it doesn't inconvenience your career or your lifestyle. Their God is okay leaving your spouse if you're just not happy. It's okay with their God to live together before marriage to test each other out. Their God is okay with fornicating and committing all kinds of lewd acts as long as you feel good about it. Their God is okay with man lying with mankind and women with womankind. As long as love wins, everything's okay. Their God is okay with self-identifying as the opposite gender as long as it makes you feel good and you're inclined to do so. See, their God is really themselves. As long as I feel good, as long as I'm not Bothered by it as long as I don't hurt nobody else I can do what I want to do you know what we could say tonight or this morning we could say that's right that's right that's right and I believe these Pharisees would agree with that list I just gave you they say, hey man that's right these Pharisees were religious these Pharisees were moral people but they didn't know God They wouldn't do none of that stuff I just listed out. But these men, they they knew about the moral code of God, but they didn't know God. See, their God was okay with hypocrisy. Their God was okay with living a double life. One way at church, one way at work or school, and one way at home. Their God was okay with hypocrisy. Their God was okay with compromise. Let's just drop the standard so everybody will accept us and, and we will be accepted to them and they will be accepted us. Let's just change the message. Let it fit the crowd. And let's try not to let the Word of God offend people. And, and let's just compromise. Their God was okay with compromise. Their God was okay with being religious on the outside but being spiritually dead. On the inside. As long as you conform to our outward stuff, we're okay, but you just be dead on the inside, it don't matter. Go to hell, but as long as you look right, it's okay. That was the idea of the that was the God of the Pharisees. Their God was okay with overlooking the sins of their family as long as they could strain in a gnat to find the sin in everybody else's family. Their God was okay having everything look right, even if it wasn't right. That was their God. I could go on, but I think you're getting the point. We cannot know God outside of knowing Jesus. And here's why they didn't want to know Jesus. Because they knew that Jesus, they they knew in reality God, the Father, was not okay with hypocrisy or compromise or any of that other stuff either. And Jesus was bold enough to say it. And Jesus was honest enough to tell them the truth. Here's the thing. The Lord begins in verse number 21 through 25. He begins to deal with the reason these men were ignorant of God and the result the result if they stayed that way. It is no coincidence that Jesus is teaching in the temple. The temple, it's the place where on earth where God met with man, right? It is the place where those sacrifices, those offerings were made. It's the place where the priests would take that blood and put it on the altar. They would cleanse themselves in the laver. They would uh, go again. They would trim the lights and the, uh, offer the incense on that altar. They would eat the bread of the showbread of the table. There's where they, the veil was hung. Uh, there was a uh, there was the mercy seat and the cherubims were there. Uh, there, uh, there in former times, God had sit enthroned on the mercy seat and. A glory cloud listen if there was ever a place on earth where associated with the true and living god meeting with man it was right there on that temple it was right there in that temple and here we have god in the flesh meeting with man at the temple here he is and if they would have just believed who he was if they would have just believed and who he said he was. That's what they're asking. That's what he said. For if you believe not that I am he. And they said who art thou? I've done told you who I am. If they'd have just believed. Oh my friend they could have entered into everything that temple represented. Oh they could have entered into what God really intended for them. But this is the place. I don't know where God met man. but I don't say it like this. This is the place where two worlds this is the place where two worlds meet: The earthly world of darkness and the eternal world of light. I'm going to preach on this morning, this world versus that world. This world versus that world. Real quickly, I want you to notice here, Jesus makes a strong statement. Matter of fact, this, this, this conversation, Jesus makes some stout statements all through it. But he makes a strong statement concerning the world of these men. Look in verse 23. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. Then he goes on to say, Ye are of this. He makes a strong statement and he says, you are of another world. That is the reason for your ignorance of God is because you are of this world. You are from beneath and of this world. And here's the result. Here's the result. Look what he says in verse number 24. Ye shall die in your sins. There's the result you notice three things real quickly and I'll be done. Number one, the divide. The great divide or the divide here. The divide is ye are from beneath, I am from above. Now, friend, Jesus is speaking to them about their sin nature. You got to understand these religious Jews thought they were okay because they were religious Jews. They thought, number one, because of their bloodline they were okay. We are of the seed of Abraham. You know, we come from Abraham's seed. We're part of the tribes of Israel. We have a pure bloodline. We can trace our lineage all the way back to Abraham. We can trace our line back to some tribe. Uh, we can take our, uh, We know. we know our bloodline. We are okay because who we were born to the first time. There's many people that still believe that today. They may not think they're the seed of Abraham, but they think, well, I'm the seed of a godly heritage. My family has always been saved. My family has always been Christians. Matter of fact, I was in Israel in 2015. And I remember our, our tour guide's name was George. And George, I'm sure that was not his real name, but George was, uh, was Arabic. And he, of course, he was, he was Israeli. He was not of Jewish descent, but he was Arabic and from Israel. And we said, George, when, when did you get saved? And he said this, my family has always been saved. And uh, we said, George, Elaborate a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean? He said, Well, my great, 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 great. He said, We have, we have record that my great, some odd granddaddy got saved on the day of Pentecost. He said, and we have been saved ever since. Said, what is what he said. We began to witness to George. We got to tell him, George, that is not what the Bible says. There's nowhere you can find in throughout Scripture where because your great, 20,000-time great-granddaddy got saved in the day of Pentecost, that automatically makes you saved here in the 21st century. That doesn't work like that. But you know, there's people like George all around us. Well, I had a praying mama, I had a preaching daddy. I had a serving mama, I had a serving daddy, I had a good godly home, and therefore I must be okay. But God said, but Jesus says to them, you are from beneath. He's, he's talking about their first birth not being right. You're from beneath. You think you're from this hierarchy. You think because you're from Abraham's name, but really, you're from beneath. You've got a, you've got a, you, you've been born the wrong way. You were born, can I use a title of one of our tracts? You were born crooked. Not only did they think because of their bloodline they were okay. Watch it. They thought because of their beliefs they were okay. And here's what I mean. Well, we have memorized the law of Moses. We can quote all the first five books of the Old Testament. We know every single law and we keep them to the jot and to the tittle. We know exactly what every verse means and we have studied it out. And we even, some of us are scribes because the Bible says in verse number three, there were some scribes involved in this crap. We even copy the word of God for a living. I mean, we believe, right? We've got all these things on the outward. must. I mean, all this stuff is right on the outside. And all this stuff is right to the human eye. So we must be okay. And Jesus says, ye are from Beneath, ye are of this world. And there are many people. Well, I'm a Baptist. Well, I go to a King James-only church. I mean, I go to a church that gives out the gospel everywhere they go. They street preach and they go to jail ministries. And they go. They have world evangelism all throughout the world to help them help plant churches. They got a radio ministry. They got an online internet ministry. They got all these men. I mean, I go to this church. I must be okay. I've got all the outward stuff right. I can quote John 3:16. Well, I can do better than that. I can, John, I can quote John 3:14 all the way to John 20, uh, a 3:20. Oh, I can quote the entire uh, chapter of chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. Well I can, chap, I can quote Psalm 100. Well, I can quote Psalm 119. Now, I mean, listen The goes on and on and on. I know the Roman road. I know the Philippian bypass. I know the uh, uh, the Ephesians interchange. I know all of that. And you think you're okay? And here's what Jesus says: You are from beneath. Ye are of this world. But then He says, "There's a great divide." He says, "I, I am from above. I am not of this." world. I am from another world. I'm not from this world. I'm from that world. Jesus, I believe Jesus is pointing to himself. What you see in me, the purity. Listen, they couldn't find any sin in him. I know we quote Pilate because the Bible tells us Pilate said it out loud. I find no fault in him. But watch this. They couldn't find no fault in him either. They searched, it. matter of fact, they spent all night delegating. Can we find two people to agree that we can find something against this guy? And finally some of them said, well, he did say something about tearing down the temple. Oh, yeah, I heard him say that too. Well, let's let's use that. Two of y'all heard it. That's, That's it. They couldn't find anything wrong with it. They had to take that out of context. He said, I'm from above. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what the glory of God is? Perfection. You know what Jesus is? Perfection. He says what I am, I am from above. I'm not of this world. I was, I wasn't born like you were born. I had a, I had a different, you're talking about my father, and they would always make fun of that. They would say, oh, we know who his daddy is. He's, he's a, he's the son of that carpenter over there uh, from Nazareth, old Joseph. Or then they would even say, well, story is, Joseph wasn't the real daddy, so he's just the son of Mary. Oh, we don't know. She claims he's the son of God, but we just don't know about that Mary girl over there uh, from Nazareth and so they said where's your father at where's he at big boy you don't even know who your daddy is do you he says listen you are from beneath the, you are of this world but I am from another world here's, 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 here's where here we're at John 16 later on we're going to get there eventually one day one year I don't know how long gonna take us to get there the Holy Spirit of God the comforter you know what he comes to do to reprove the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because you have not believed on the only begotten Son of God. Of righteousness, because you've seen Him. You've seen righteousness. You've seen righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have seen holiness in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have seen something different. You've seen the glory of God. The divide here is great. the The, the, the divide is: we are born. We are from beneath. We are of this world. Listen, if you have never come to the conclusion, you have never come to the place in your life where you realize you were not born right. That's the slap in the face of Christianity now. There is bumper stickers out there that say, I was born okay the first time. No, you what? We were not born okay the first time. Whether you are born in the greatest home there could ever be born in, that someone could ever be born into, or whether you are born in the worst home anyone could ever be born into. We were not born in the first time. We're from beneath, we are of this world. There's a great divide. But watch this, there's a great direction. The direction. Look what he says in verse 21. Then said Jesus unto them again. And I'll say this about that word again in John chapter 8. That is the mercy of God. They do not deserve him to keep talking to him. They deserve him to be quiet, to leave him alone. All right, go on. They deserve it, and he eventually does cut it off. But again, that word again, every time I read it in John chapter 8, I think about the mercy of God. I think about the times he comes to me again and again and again and again. That don't cost you nothing extra. That's just a side note. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. The great direction is I go my way. What was he speaking of? I believe he's speaking specifically of the cross. Verse number 19 says, they, or verse number, uh, verse number 20 at the very end says, No man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. We're, all, we're about six months away from the cross here in John chapter 8. And I personally believe, you don't have to believe this, I don't think this is a place to divide on, uh, separate on, but I believe that Jesus knew the hour he would be crucified. I believe he knew the exact very moment that he was going to be crucified. And he knew his hour wasn't come yet, but he knew it was coming. He knew it was on his way. He knew it would not be long he would go to the cross. I go my way. I go my way is what he says. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about the ascension up to the Father. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the way of salvation. I go my way way he says like he said in john chapter 6 i am the way the truth and john 14 6 we'll get there eventually i am the way the truth the life no man come the father but by me he said i'm going my way i'm going to the cross i'm going to be crucified i'm going to raise again i'm going to be ascended to the father i'm going that way but you cannot come Not only do you have to realize you're from beneath, you've got to realize you're a sinner, but you've got to realize you can't save yourself. They had to realize they could not save themselves. Ye cannot come. I'm going away. I'm going away that you can't come. You can't die for your sins. You you can go to the cross if you want to. You can die on the cross for your sins if you want to, but it won't pay for that sin. There's even a second death that has to go forth. If we die in our, if we physically die for our sin, there's even a second death the Bible talks about. Ye cannot come. There's a direction here. You can't fulfill the way. And listen, what he is saying, there is no other way. Listen, he is still talking about that statement, I am the light. He's still there. We cannot forget that. He's still. He's. This is just a. This is just a conversation spurring from that. It's still. He's still referring. I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have, have the light of life. I'm going away. I'm going. I'm going my way. And if you don't come this way, you can't come at all. Jesus is narrowing this thing down. You've seen God work. In creation, you see God's work in history. You see God's work in conscience. You see God's work in scripture, but you're not seeing him in the sun. I'm the way. I'm the light of the world. We see the direction. But notice this, I see the desire. Look what he says. Then said Jesus again unto them, verse 21, I go my way, watch what he says, and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sin. see the need I believe one day these men, these very men I don't know when but one day if they haven't already, one day they will see I think they already have, obviously if they didn't see it on this side, they saw it on the other side they see their need of the Messiah they see their need of the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going to go looking for him they're not going to find a sad, that's a sad statement. Ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. I think about the rich man who lifted up his eyes in torments, flames, in hell. He cried out, Father Abraham! Need, he saw a need, didn't he? He saw a need. He, he, he saw a need for a drink of water. He saw a need. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. He saw a need. But what? guess what? It was too late. The need. The Lord's words here in verse 21 when he says, Ye shall seek me is a revelation of the doom of those who reject Christ once too often. There's several examples in the Old Testament. The greatest example would be Saul, King Saul. King Saul sinned away his day of grace. You remember God's spirit left him to himself and left him at the mercy of an evil spirit. And Samuel dies. And after that, Saul he begins. It just goes. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And finally, his his whole life was consumed with finding David and killing David. And finally, he wants a word from God. He's desire. He's seeking a word from God. You remember what he does? He goes to the witch of Endor. And he goes looking, wanting a word from God. And when he goes to God, he, God is silent. God is not saying anything so he goes he goes with the door of heaven barred against him he goes to the door of hell at the witch of Endor and God lets that door open for him and Saul walked through that door of hell He was doomed the New Testament example of that would be Herod King Herod I remember when King Herod him and Pilate or Pilate sends Jesus He says I, I that's out of my jurisdiction Send him over to Herod And They get Jesus and they take him all the way to Herod And when Herod starts asking him questions And wanting him to perform and wanting him to do miracles The Bible says Jesus didn't say a word Jesus did not say one thing to Herod Why was that? Well this is the same Herod Who just chopped John the Baptist's head off See Herod was in sin and the word of God came to Herod and said, you're wrong, you're in sin, you need to get right. There was mercy and there was great in the, uh, grace in John the Baptist's message. I don't believe John came in there and uh, like a bull in a china shop. I believe there was probably tenderness in John's voice. May even had tears in his eyes when he said, you've done wicked, you've done wrong. Having your brother's wife is not right, King Herod. There was a message of redemption. Get right with God. you know what he done he rejected it and I'm not sure all the the ins and outs of everything that happened with Herod but Herod locks him up and I don't know if he thought about maybe getting him out one day but all of a sudden he, he, he rejected the voice of God and he heeded to the voice of this world when Herodias asked for the head of that Baptist preacher when he cut the head off of John the Baptist what Herod was literally doing was cutting the head off of the word of God John the Baptist was carrying the word of God in that generation He cut off the voice of God And watch this, Jesus never said nothing else to Herod Can you imagine standing before God Almighty And him not speaking a word to you Who are you? And you're standing there Herod was seeking him He could not find him Genesis chapter number 6 God said, my spirit shall not always strive with me Isaiah said, seek him while he may be found. It's something not preached much more. It's not super popular. But listen, you can send away your day of grace. Romans chapter number one is very clear that as long as you hold on to your sin and you reject God and you reject God, that callous of your heart will harden your heart. Your ears will become deaf. Your eyes will become blind. And you will, God will turn you, God will turn you over to your sin that you want so bad. I don't know when that is for somebody. I'm not gonna be the one to say there's a, there's a line that I can measure You reject God, you reject God, you reject God and eventually he will turn you over. I think about this when I think about Saul, I think about Herod. I think about those that sit in a church where the gospel is preached, live in a home where the Bible is the rule of life, raised in a Christian home, Taught the truth of God's Word from a baby. Don't even remember the first time they went to church. Don't remember the first verse they memorized because they've just been around it their whole life. But yet they rebel against the Word of God. They persistently resist the Spirit of God until at last they try to seek Him. and They die in their sin. Listen, salvation... Is initiated by God convicting of sin, ye are from beneath. realizing you can't save yourself, I go my way. You cannot come. But if you reject that, then at some point God will let you go on fully to your sin. The need, but here's the nature. Here's, here's the positive of all this. How does this change? The great direction. How is there a change in the great desire? How is there a change in all of this? Here it is. It's found in verse 24 and I'm done. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sin. The only way to not die in your sin is to believe on the lord jesus christ he said i am from above ye are from this world i am not of this world hey that stated in the need in the turn is the, that's the stated need in the turns of this life and the next life this world and that world as far as the world to come as far, the, as, far as the life of the eternal life to come he and they were worlds apart he and, he and sinners christ and sinners are worlds apart but uh, they are from beneath they are from beneath he He is from above they are from hell he is from heaven but my friend the passport to heaven is Jesus Christ he alone can save mankind he alone can save us from our sin a sin has wrecked our life a sin has ruined our life a sin has ruined this world and God is not going to allow that sin to break into his world and so believe in Jesus Christ alone for salvation is the only way of salvation is the only way of opening that door to heaven. This is a forceful saying. If ye if ye believe not that I am he. Here's the thing. They refuse to believe his claim to be the I am of the Old Testament revelation. They refuse that he was that covenant making God. They refuse to believe he's the source of life. And so to refuse to believe in him. To give to give him his proper place and title Is to close the door of heaven You can do all the sin in the world as long, and, and, and if you repent and believe If you come to God in repentance and faith He'll save you But if you don't believe He can't save you If you don't believe the sin of unbelief It's the only sin that there's not Forgiveness for until you believe <laughs> Right well, I want God To forgive me of my drinking But I don't believe in him I want God to forgive me of my cussing But I ain't believing on Jesus' Son the God and the Savior So you must repent And believe The gospel Earlier in this text the Jews brought to Jesus that woman taken in adultery, and they're quoting Moses. They revered Moses as much as Abraham. Abraham and Moses were the the two uh, patriarchs of the faith. And It's interesting that they quote Moses, and it's Moses who brought this name from the wilderness, this name I am, from the wilderness to the Jewish people. Jesus, I mean, God spoke these words to Moses. I am that I am. Jesus using that name in verse number 12, he's again is claiming to be God. And this is what they're saying. This is what he says. If you don't believe that I am he, I am he. You don't believe that, you're going to die in your sins. Of course, they go on. "Well, Well, then who are you? Who art thou? And he says, even the same that I said to you from the beginning. That's what I've been saying. I am, I am, I am. Do you believe that He is? Do you believe He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world? Do you believe He is the only way of salvation? You may call Him great. You may call Him good. But until you call Him God, you have missed the mark. And without your passport from this world to that world. So how do I die in my sins? Y'all ready? Be self-righteous. Think you're better. Thank you, oh, well, that's for, the, that's for the lost people, but I'm not lost. Be self-righteous and think, well, I'm better than Jesus. I can find my better way. I can find a better way than God. That sounds too easy. That sounds too, too, that is too easy. That's, I'm self, So Be self-righteous. That, that's the way you could die in your sin. You could, you could just be of this world. Buy totally into this world. Drive your stent, tent stakes deep in this world. Pour your footers down in this world. Accept the philosophies and the humanistic ideologies and all that of this world. Just accept it. Buy into it. And I tell you how you can die in your sin is unbelief unbelief not believing that he is the I am now these Pharisees many of them obviously did not believe but verse number 30 I love this it says as he spake these words many believed on him as he spake these words many believed believed on him. Now this Sunday morning we're preaching through the gospel of John and many of you have believed on him. Many of you are saved. You know that you are. You've trusted Christ as your savior. You've accepted him as the only sacrifice for sin. You believe that this morning. But then there's some in this room. You're waiting for something to happen that you've got concocted in your mind. Maybe you're waiting for a certain service or a certain somebody or a, a certain situation. You're waiting for that to all take place and then you think you'll come to Christ. Had a young man several years ago we were doing some yard work around here and we sat down drinking some water, resting sat down on the grass and I looked at him I said, uh, said his name and I said uh, You've admitted to me that you're lost before. He said, yes, sir. I said, you still lost? Yes, sir. I said, you you realize what that means, don't you? Yes, sir. I said, you realize that that the trouble you're in, the sin you're in, you're lost means you're still in it and you you have no deliverer from it. You're not going to be rescued from this trouble you're in, all this stuff you're trying to do to get out of it. It ain't gonna work. But, but but ultimately what that means is you're gonna die and go to hell. You're gonna die in your sins. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I said, you know you're a sinner? You know, you know you're a sinner? You know you're a friend. Yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know you can't save yourself? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you know that the only way of salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ and you believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah sir. yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I said his name. I said, then what are you waiting on? this is what he told me well a few weeks ago at church I felt like I should have come uh, but I didn't I said okay he said "Uh, maybe next time I feel like that I'll come that's been about five years ago maybe more maybe more maybe six he's only been in this church a handful more times since then matter of fact And I'm not just saying this is the only place. Him in no church other than this church but a handful of times and his life has just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse than all of the life's troubles that he's got. If he dies, he's going to die in his sin. This ain't no made up evangelistic story. I'm telling you that really happened right there in the field five or six years ago. Stop waiting. God's dealt with your heart. God's convicted you of your sin, your need of a Savior. God's convicted your heart and shows you that you cannot save yourself. You cannot come. You can't come your own way. You can't make your own situation. You can't make it fit your scenario. You can't make it fit when you want it to happen. Because you keep sinning away that day of grace. You keep rejecting Christ. You keep putting that callus up God may turn you over for what you want. I don't know. I don't know when that happens with people. I, I, have, not, I have no idea when that happens with people. But don't send away your day, Grace. Christians, we ought to be praying. Don't die in your sins. Believe. Jesus Christ is he. Christians, would you pray? Sir, Would you pray for sinners? Christians, would you ask God to give you a greater burden for those that are dying in their sin? Christians, would you you pray that God would help us be a light in this world? Do you know that you're saved this morning? Do you know for sure that you've placed your faith alone in Jesus Christ? I'm not asking about what you said in a prayer, what you did after the prayer. I'm not asking what you're doing right now. I'm asking you to have you placed your faith alone in Jesus Christ. The Lord is an absolute God. He has absolutes. It's either yes or no. It is either yes or no you either have placed your faith in him alone for salvation or you have not. And if you have not, three times in this text, Jesus says you shall die in your sins. Death is certain, but death is also individual. You're going to die in your sin. But you don't have to.